Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. Thank you so much. Also, uh, as we begin, I want to thank uh, Pastor Don and uh, his precious wife there and all the folks here at Destiny City for uh, hosting us today. Uh, This is a wonderful opportunity for all of us to get to see their new facility. And uh, isn't this lovely? My goodness, how God has blessed us. I want to tell you, His favor is wonderful. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for everyone who's come here today and perhaps others who are still en route. Bless them. And Father, we have done as your word says, unto you shall the gathering of the people be. So Lord, we've gathered here today to hear what you would say to us. So we say, please, Holy Spirit, come and move among us. Say to us what we need to hear. Dig in the areas of our lives that need to be dug in. We give you the right No, Lord, not just the right. We ask you, we implore you, deal with us as seems right to you to bring us into conformity to your son, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. Bless this house. Bless Don and Becky and all this church. Bless the other churches that are represented here today. And Father, we will give you great honor and great glory for every good thing that happens In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now, at some point as we progress, let me go ahead and tell you, uh, Dwayne and Vicki Jarman are going to be coming to us uh, via FaceTime, and uh, we're going to have a message from them from Israel. And so when they actually, we get that, when they come online, we're going to break what we're doing And we'll turn to the screen up there, and they'll be on the screen live with us for just a few minutes. So just kind of give you a heads up so when that happens, you'll know what's going on. Uh, We are so thankful for all three of the churches primarily that are represented. There may be somebody else here, and that's fine. You're most welcome. But Destiny City Church from here in Salisbury, also Northgate Uh, Ken and Kay and a lot of the folks from Northgate are here from here in Salisbury and also Jubilee Worship Center in Greensboro and glad to have all of you. We're just so delighted to have you. And of course, Frank and Shirley from uh, up in the mountains. We've left higher ground to come down into Egypt. But it is, it is so good to be with you guys, all of you. And uh, one of the things that somebody said at our conference uh, last year, they said, you know, this, this is really not like a conference. It's more like a family reunion. And I said, well, I think that accurately describes what it ought to be and what we feel like it is. And so let me just say to you, it's when we come down here to any of your churches, and especially a meeting like this, it feels like a family reunion, because it's, you're all family, and uh, so we're delighted to have you, and again, so much thanks uh, to Destiny City for hosting this. 
There's Dwayne and Vicky. Hey! Hey, guys. <laughs> so good to How's see you. Going? We're doing awesome. <laughs> we come to greet you and to tell you that we are praying for you, that we are excited you're meeting together, wish we were there, but are believing for fruitful and productive things today. Amen. It's so good to see you guys. Are you there in uh, northern Israel? We are in we are in the Galilee, in northern Israel, and uh, we're living in a village called Tehran, which is near uh, near Cana and about twenty minutes from the Sea of Galilee. Awesome, praise God! Well, we're gathered here this morning. It's morning for us, afternoon for you guys, but yeah. we're gathered here today. Uh, three churches: Northgate. Uh, and Destiny City here in Salisbury and Jubilee from uh, Greensboro. And we're here just looking forward to a great time in the Lord. Yes, amen. Amen. Well, we're praying for you, and we thank you for your prayers for us. But we wanted to say hi and just uh, greet you in the name of Jesus and and from our hearts as well. And uh, we'd love to be there with you. Uh, remember, God is at work among the nations, and we need to look below the surface of things and see what He's actually doing. Amen. He's working here in Israel. He's working in the nations all around the world, including the United States. And uh, His kingdom is advancing, and we just have, need to have eyes to see how He's advancing His kingdom. Amen. Well, we want to pray for you before you go, and just Amen. pray a thank prayer you. of blessing upon you. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for Dwayne and Vicki Jarman, and I ask you to bless them. Father, put the angels round about them to keep them safe night and day. I thank you, Lord, that you've also given the angels charge to be ministering spirits for them to provide every need that they have. Father, cause them to be a blessing and cause them to be blessed. And we thank you, and we send our love to them in Jesus' name and all of God's people in agreement. Would you say amen? Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Bless, bless well, thank you. you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Amen. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Well, praise God. That was a special treat today. Amen. I want to thank you, all of you, for, one, your continued prayer. For Shirley and I, as we continue to travel, and uh, occasionally God adjusts our schedule. And uh, I'll have to confess to you, I don't generally enjoy that. Uh, I like to make a plan and stick with the plan. That's just the way I am. Carolyn's not like that, I guess, but I like that. And when God adjusts it, I have learned to submit, but I can't tell you I always enjoy it. And so last week, we were supposed to be in Chicago, and uh, that all got adjusted. I ended up injuring uh, my thigh, and the doctor said that I could not be traveling, so we had to just postpone those meetings, and so meant that I had several days of unexpected rest. Um, That's what he called it. Uh, But anyway, we're glad to be able to be here today. And uh, very thankful. I want to say to you that God continues to provide every need. We just rejoice so much in this facility that God has provided for Destiny City. Uh, What a beautiful place. 
And my goodness, one of the things that, you know, God and the devil both work with our imagination. God, in all of his creation, only created one other aspect of all creation that was in his likeness, and that's man. And part of that is the ability to create and imagine things that are not yet. Other animals, other parts of God's creation doesn't have that, but we do. And that's the creative part of us. I've said it before and I'll repeat it to you. I believe that our imagination, our mind, is the womb of our soul. That's where we become pregnant with things that have not yet been born, with our imagination. And that's how God operates. Whenever God wants to bring forth something new, he puts it into someone's imagination. And he impregnates them with what he wants to produce. And if we're willing to become pregnant with it and receive it and nourish it and feed it until the time of birthing in due season, it won't be here. It will be here in our hand. Now, the devil also understands that. And what he wants to do is impregnate our minds and our imagination with evil things. Also things that have not yet happened. But here's the deal. The devil always sells us a bill of goods that he cannot deliver on. See, the Bible talks about people who lust, and when they get what they've lusted for, it's like dirt in their hand, ashes in their mouth. It never lives up to its billing. The devil will string you along and tease you with ideas about what could be and even if you attain it, you look at it and you say, shoot, that wasn't anything like he said it was going to be. That's not what I imagined. The difference with God is when he gives us a vision and he causes us to imagine what he wants, when it comes to pass, it's always so much richer and so much fuller than you could have even imagined. God never oversells and underdelivers. But the devil always oversells, and he cannot follow through. He can't deliver. And I want to say to you, let God fill your heart, your imagination, and the womb of your soul with the things he wants to do. And I want to say to you, what he wants to do for us and through us is so much richer and fuller than we can even imagine. Hallelujah. Have you seen that? And when I look at this building, that's what I see. I mean, God promised some good stuff, but I don't know that any of us imagined what this would be. And yet it does not yet, we don't see yet all it's going to be, see. And I want to tell you, God just keeps on giving, keeps on refreshing, keeps on filling, and he never overpromises. My, my, my. Glory to God. And that's when you come and you see what God's done. You say, oh, God, the half has not been told. I mean, even as wonderful as this is, even this is not the half of what you're going to do. And that's wonderful. So give him praise. Would you do that? Thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Rejoice with them that rejoice. And I know Jubilee's looking about facilities. And one of the best ways I know to get in on what God's doing and what he has for you is to rejoice with others when God gets a taste of what he's doing for them. So praise God. All kinds of good things going on. I wanted, as I was praying about what I needed to share today, uh, I'm, so I'm going to be sitting some, stay off my leg a little bit. And, uh, but I want us to turn, if you would please, to Daniel, Old Testament, Daniel, Prophet Daniel. And I want, to, <clears throat> I want us to begin reading there in Daniel chapter 1. Of all the people in the Bible, of all the characters, I honestly do not know of one that I believe more accurately represents who we are supposed to be in the day in which we live than Daniel. He was a man called of God, a man chosen by God, but so much that he believed and so much that he'd been taught to believe had been destroyed in front of his eyes. And he finds himself in a culture that had no respect for his God, his faith, or him. And yet in the middle of all that, he chose to continue to walk with God. Let me read the scripture from Daniel 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now, from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. Hmm. He gave them names. And he gave Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. 
For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then he would endanger my head before the king. You would endanger my head. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, their features appeared better, fatter in the flesh, than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, how long a period was that? Three years. The chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them to be what? Ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. There's so much here that if we just read it at face value, I think we tend to read over it and don't really see. Nebuchadnezzar and the kingdom of Babylon, the Babylonian Empire, was extremely ruthless when they would conquer other nations. They would come in and utterly run over them. But they had a plan to assimilate these people into the Babylonian Empire. Now, every empire had its own method for dealing with assimilation and conquering. <clears throat> but let's look at Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These were young men who were either cousins or family members of the royal lineage of the tribe of Judah or nobles' families. These were not the run-of-the-mill street kids. These were kids who'd been raised with whatever privilege Israel had at the time of Judah. They had been taught from the time of their infancy, we are the chosen people of God. God dwells in the temple here in Jerusalem. Nothing terrible can happen to us because God is our defense. He is our protector. And suddenly, though the people had left serving God, but suddenly here comes Nebuchadnezzar and the armies of Babylon and they, the kingdom of Judah was defeated. Not only were they defeated, they came in and they destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. And they took the vessels of gold and silver and carried them away in sacks to Babylon and put in the treasure house 
of the heathen gods, the idols. Not only that, but the way they took care of assimilation, they killed all of the intelligentsia, all of the nobles, all the people of royal lineage, so that there was no option of there being a rebellion against Babylon. So here are these young men who'd been raised in the very best their country afforded, suddenly saw their parents killed in front of their eyes. The temple that was God's dwelling place on earth where God himself lived, burned with fire and destroyed. They who had been taught, we are God's chosen people. Nothing bad can happen to us. Saw all hell broke loose around them and in their families. Not only that, but they were rounded up now to be carted off to Babylon as slaves. But Babylon wasn't done. As you read this story, you come to understand a little better. What they did with the young men of intelligentsia, the young men who were smart, intelligent, capable of learning, who had some ability, they took those young men and castrated them, all of them. So there was no danger of these young men ever producing children or ever having a family. They would become wards of the state, servants of the state, and that's exactly what these young men were done. They were taken, they were castrated. Now they were taken, you remember it says, they were given to the man who oversaw the eunuchs. That was his job. And these young men were in that position. Taught the Babylonian language, taught Babylonian customs, Babylonian laws. And as you continue to read through the rest of the book of Daniel, you find these young men became governors. And this was how Babylon staffed their kingdom and their empire. They took young men from all the countries that they had captured and subjugated, castrated them, and they became loyal wards of the state. No hope of ever having a family, no hope of ever having a nation again. And yet in the midst of that, the incredible thing is, Daniel and these young men purposed in their hearts they would serve God. Now that's incredible that through all of this, they maintained their faith. And did not give up on God nor curse God. It's incredible. But they determined to walk uprightly. To not defile himself or themselves with the king's delicacies. It's very evident that Daniel was the spokesman. But all four of these young men had this determination. These are the same young men that later under their Babylonian names defied the king's order to fall down and worship the golden image that he'd set up. There, they, they used the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names. Now, what I felt like God wanted me to share with you today is a question. Just who are you? Just who are you? Who determines who you are? What determines who you are? And I want to say to you at the outset, and hear me clearly, if you don't hear anything else today, listen to this. 
you are not just what others say about you. I will say to you, no man, no woman, no organization has a right to set your destiny, only God. By right of creation, he can determine who you are. By right of him having created you, while you were still in your mother's womb, before you had understanding or knowledge, God formed you and he began to make you what he designed for you to become. And then by right of redemption, we are not our own. We are bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. By that right, he can say, this is who you are. Can I say to you, every one of us in this room, God knew you before you had knowledge or consciousness. While you were still in your mother's womb without conscious thought, God knew you. And he put his finger on your heart and he said, she's mine. He's mine. This is what I shall cause him or her to be. God has a plan for you. We may not have discovered all of it yet, but God knows and understands. And if we will be sensitive, God will put within us, deep in your guts, the knowledge of who you are and what you are. Many of us who sit here today in this room, we have been mangled and manhandled by the God of this world. He has taken you. He has tried to castrate you to destroy your ability to create. God created you in his image with the ability to create. The enemy wants to strip that from you and make you to become nothing but his vassal, simply repeating what he says about you. We need to understand something. With God... Names are so very important. Names represent destiny. Names represent destiny. Jeremy and Jessica are getting ready here in a few months to have a new addition to their family. But God's already spoken to them about a name. A name that represents destiny. Most of us here, not all of us, but most of us have already produced our children, the ones that God's entrusted to us. Some of us understood this concept when we were having children, and some of us did not. My parents never gave it a thought. I'm a junior. I received my name simply because that's what my father's name was. His name was Claude Franklin Harvey. And I was born, the firstborn of the family, firstborn son, and I am Claude Franklin Harvey, Jr. Many years passed, God called me to preach, and I said yes and began preaching. But many years before I began to look, well, what does this name mean? I was shocked. Claude comes from the French, and it literally means crippled or lame. And I said, Lord, I don't think I like that name very much. 
But when you call a little boy Claude, you're saying, come here, you little cripple. Come here, you deformed one. That was the name my father always went by, Claude Harvey. But not because of any spiritual significance, but because he was always Claude, I was always called Frank. Franklin. I was delighted to find out Franklin literally means free man. A man set free. You realize Congress has what they call franking privileges. The ability to send letters to the constituents free. Doesn't cost them anything to send out notices of what they're doing. Franking privileges. Free privileges. So, and I was especially intrigued to find out what Harvey means. Harvey literally means battle worthy or proven in battle. So I'm a man who was crippled, set free by the power of God, and proven worthy in battle. I said, Lord, I'll take that. Sign me up. But with God, names represent destiny. That's why he was very particular with John when Elizabeth became pregnant and her husband, Zacharias. You shall call his name John. He's not Bill. He's not Pete. He's not Ronnie. He's John. And to Mary, you shall have a child. And his name shall be Jesus. Because he will save his people. And it's a very simple thing with God's name. When you call a name over somebody, it speaks destiny over them. Purpose over them. It's very simple. If you have a name that doesn't fit your destiny, it's not a problem with God. He just changes your name. He says, no longer shall you be called Jacob, crook, conniver, deceiver. That's not you anymore. From this day, you will be called Israel, a prince with God. Some of us need to walk away from the identity that the enemy has assigned to you. It it, it is utterly amazing to me how people define themselves. I go, I travel, we both do, Shirley and I a lot, and it's amazing. You know, you'll go and you'll meet new people for the very first time. And we say, hey, I'm Frank. And people will say, I'm a widow. I'm handicapped. I'm lonely. Excuse me. I'm lonely. I'm crippled. I'm disadvantaged. I'm too young. And they define themselves by words that God never calls them. I'm black. I'm on welfare. All kinds of words that they use to define themselves, words that God never uses concerning us. I'm a failure. God never uses that name. I'm poor. Listen to me. Only God has the right to assign you your destiny. And some of us here, some of the people of God in God's family, in God's kingdom, in his churches, we function 
under an alias assigned to us by the devil. Not evil people, but people who do not understand the power of words and the power of names. Maybe we ought to go back and look at these guys, these four young Hebrew men whose life as they knew it and whose world as they understood it had been utterly destroyed, shaken, ripped from them. Everything that they thought they knew and understood, it was all gone. And not only that, do you know what their names mean? Daniel's name, Daniel literally means God is my judge. Not a bad name. God, my judge. Hananiah, anytime you find in the Hebrew a word that ends in El, Daniel, El is God. And so God is my judge. And anytime in the Hebrew you see a word that ends in Yah, I-A, or I-A-H, Yah, is short for Yahweh. It, again, another name for God. And so Hananiah literally means Yahweh has been gracious to me. God has been gracious to me. Mishael, who is like God? There's none like God. And Azariah, Azariah, Yahweh is my help. But they were taken, physically abused, mentally battered, and now even their names were taken from them. And the prince of eunuchs, the man who oversaw all the eunuchs, divinely just said, I'm going to change your names. I don't like those names. Daniel, God is not your judge. I'm changing your name to Belteshazzar. Babylonian name. Has kind of a nice ring to it. Belteshazzar literally means the lady who protects the king. No longer a man. No longer destiny, but the lady who protects the king. Give him a feminine name. Strip his masculinity. Strip him of what he was created to be. And give him a name that fits what he has become. Or what we shall make him to become. The lady who protects the king. When you read through Daniel's book, the prophecy, his history, you come to understand that Daniel was anything but a weak female character who could not be what his destiny was. I don't care what scars you may bear from the hands of the enemy. He does not have the right to assign your destiny. I don't care what he calls you. He can't make you what he wants you to be without your cooperation. Daniel, God is my judge. You can call me the lady who protects the king, but I know who my judge is.
And it's not Nebuchadnezzar. Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious. They changed his name to Shadrach. From a man who says, I know God has been good to me. Shadrach means, I am fearful of God. I am afraid of God. Mishael, who is like God? You will now be called Meshach, which says, I am weak and despised. Do you understand? The devil never elevates you. He never esteems you by God's values. He devalues. He demeans. He denigrates. He pulls you down. And I want to challenge you before God today. Deny whatever it is he says you are. He's a fraud. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he cannot fulfill what he promises. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. God has helped me. You'll be called Abednego, which means you are a slave. These names, when I looked them up and found what they were, are so opposite of the God-given names that they had. And yet I want to say to you, as striking as these things are, they are no less striking than the words that the enemy will put in your mind about who you are. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not capable. I'm not, I'm not. Quit lying. God says in his word through Paul, the apostle, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Carolyn, you're in a dangerous position. You get picked on because you're right here handy, see. And that's what I tell people sit on the front row at church. They get picked on. You've walked through some things that you felt like ahead of time, I don't know if I can survive this. I don't know that, oh God, I just don't know. But you did because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The enemy says you can't. You're not. You won't. And God said you can do all things because I'm in you. And through me, There is no mountain you cannot climb. There's no valley you can't walk, not just into, but through. Through. Through means I may go in, but there is an exit. These four young men taken to a culture who devalued them who made fun of their God, who burned their temple, who destroyed their objects of worship and implements of gold and silver that had been accumulated for hundreds of years to worship God. That was taken and treated simply as spoil, taken into the gods 
of Babylon and put in their treasure houses. A whole generation or two later, at the end of Daniel's life, they brought out some of the vessels of gold and silver from the temple. You remember at the very last. And they were still using it, making fun of the God who could not deliver his people. But in the midst of all that, God raised up four young men who said, you can kill my family. You can destroy my temple. You can denigrate my God. You can take my manhood. But you cannot have who I am. Can I say to you, our culture today, present day, 2016 America, does not have the right to tell you who you are or what you are. Only God has that right. Now, you can be something different than that, but the devil cannot do do it to you without your agreement and without your cooperation. And multitudes in our nation have given that into his hand. You want to call me Belshazzar? I will be Belshazzar. But he can't do it without your agreement. And I want to say to you, know who you are. So my question again, back to the original, just who are you? Some years ago when I was pastoring a church and I made some decisions about some things and there were some folks who were really upset about it. They didn't like it. And uh, the person who was upset didn't like it. They didn't say this, but somebody who was with them who really didn't know me much looked at me and said, just who do you think you are? I said, well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because I know who I am, and let me explain to you who I am. I'm a child of the Most High God. Not only that, I am the senior minister in this house, not because I chose to be, but because God put me here. And so I have the authority to say what I just said. My question is, who are you? You see, once you know who you are, the devil loses most of his power in your life. If he can intimidate you, buffalo you, back you into a corner, and cause you to begin to agree with him, you lose your authority. But as long as you know who you are, he can't mess with you much. So again, my question is, just who are you? Who were you created to be? What were you created to be? Nobody in here was created to be just anything. Every one of you is significant. Every one of you has a God-assigned destiny. Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the more you know about who you are, you need to know it. It doesn't much matter what other people think about you or what they may think they know. And truthfully, sometimes they know more about you than you know about you. But that doesn't really change things. The only time things change is when you know who you are. 
And you say, well, how can I know that? Ask him. Lord, who is it you've created me to be? What is it you've created me to be? And by your grace, I will do that. By your strength, I can do that. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.